This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express Card. And we here on Savor are what you might call food explorers. It has been our actual job to go to cool places and eat, like, a lot of the food there. And then talk about it. And then talk about it into these microphones, which is a crazy dream job. Yes. Well, if you're like us and willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people like us who are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about limes. Yes, limes, which I'm really excited about. I love, I love lime. Oh, I love a lime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love a lime. <laughs> but we're not talking about lemons today, but my old um, pin name, I had a pin name, was Lemon lemon Squeezy. But then I decided that was too <laughs> tacky, so I changed to Plum Pickens. <laughs> Which is clearly way classier. <laughs> yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly, Professor Plum and Clue was like, oh, he was pretty super classy. Yeah. Urbane, even. Urbane, indeed. <laughs> and one of the first things I thought about when we were, and I'm always like, let's include some fun banter at the top. Um, <laughs> it's so fun. I know it is. Um, LimeWire. That's Annie's music empire was built on LimeWire. Oh. Yeah, back in the day when you had uh, all of the the mix CDs. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Music mix. For anyone who doesn't know, this was a file sharing service. Yeah, that I would say largely got used for illegally sharing music. Yes, much like all of the file sharing services circa that time. Yep, pretty much. I don't know if it's still around anymore. I don't. Hmm. Th- I don't think so. I have absolutely no idea. I have a friend of a friend who met her husband on LimeWire. <laughs> That's so sweet, isn't it? <laughs> Isn't it? Oh, heck. Uh, yeah, I don't have any stories about LimeWire particularly, <laughs> but uh-huh. um, but my roommate does have a lime tree. 
um, which apparently uh, she has she has grown much to the chagrin of one of my friends from a from a farming family from Florida. She has grown it incorrectly, and it's now just a permanently dwarfed little like shrub sized tree. But that's actually very convenient for you know her and also you know me because right. we have to move it inside and outside every winter and summer. Yeah, it'd uh, be much harder to do with like a big tree with a full size tree. Yeah, as it yeah. stands, it's it's not lightweight, mm-hmm. um, but it is heckin' delightful. Like about once every two years, we get I don't know, like twenty to forty limes, like a oh, whole bunch of limes. Wow, and the flowers. I, I mean, especially for a small tree. Yeah, and the flowers smell beautiful, and and oh, it's just it's really nice. It sounds lovely. It has thorns. Limes have thorns. They do indeed. This is something that I would have been surprised by had I not already pricked myself on a lime tree. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. I was surprised to learn that. But this brings us to our question. Oh, yeah. Limes. What are they? Well, limes are a whole mess of species within the genus Citrus. Though they do have diverse genetic... (laughs) Diverse <laughs> oh, I genetics. Was immediately delighted by that. I love that. Oh, all right, we'll keep it. Uh, <laughs> sure, they have diverse genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, um, <laughs> things called limes tend to be smallish, roundish fruits that consist of a uh, greenish outer skin, um, sometimes yellow when ripe, uh, dotted all over with sacks of highly fragrant oils, and inside of that, uh, there's a thin white layer of spongy pith, which a uh, protects sections of delicate little pale green juice sacs um, and the fruit seeds all inside of that. Yeah. Uh, The juice of limes tends to be acid tart and bright and a little bit bitter, and the oils in the skin tend to be floral and bright and bitter. These fruits grow on trees that can range in size, shape, and climate preference, but generally, limes are tropical to subtropical. Frost will at best hurt the crop and at worst permanently damage the tree. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do grow year-round, but there's usually one or two primary fruiting seasons. And yeah, lots of them. Lots of them are just thorny as heck. The leaves of some lime varieties are also used in some cuisines. Um, They tend to be dark green and shiny on top and pale and matte underneath. They've got a sort of gentler vibe in flavor than lime zest, but a similar-ish floral, bitter, bright profile. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And the word lime seems to come from a Persian word for the fruit, limon, uh, which then filtered through Arabic and either Portuguese and or Spanish to get to English sometime around the 1630s. Nutrition-wise, lime zest and juice pack a lot of flavor for a low caloric load. They contain a little less sugar and a little less citric acid than lemons do, and um, they're pretty high in vitamin C. The juice of one lime has about a third of your daily recommended value. Wow. Yeah. Vitamin C being useful because it's an antioxidant, which means that under certain conditions, it can help your body prevent certain diseases like um, cardiovascular disease, the cold and flu, even some types of cancer. Um, It also helps your body absorb iron. Yeah. I I said that. uh, I was just remembering I read that somewhere, and I'm glad that that (laughs) is <laughs> true. Yeah. It's always nice to know that something you read is true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that your brain hasn't just made up a fact. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And you can see our margarita episode for more about lime burn, also known as margarita dermatitis. Uh, yes, this is the thing where uh, limes and other citruses are so acidic that if you have the juice on your skin and then you're out in the sun, mm-hmm. you can get a sunburn. Yeah, um, like 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 a chemical burn from yeah, yeah 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 it's not good don't 
yeah. Mm-mm. Wear sunscreen, stay in the shade, wash your hands. <laughs> Never go outside. Your vampire side <laughs> is coming out, Lauren. I mean, this is good Avoid advice. garlic. <laughs> yeah. Always wait to be invited in. That's just polite. <laughs> we know what you're up to. I'm, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. This is all good advice. True. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, we've got a vampire and some kind of sleeper agent on our team. Interesting. <laughs> All right, but numbers. Um, actually, not super easy to come by, but as of 2012, 12% of limes um, come from Mexico, and that is followed by India, Argentina, Brazil, and Iran. There are so many types. Types. Um, Persian limes are the most commercially grown. Sometimes called Tahitian limes. Mm-hmm. There's also Mexican limes, often called key limes, which I learned is an American retronym. And I just like the word retronym. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. A Mexican or key limes are uh, smaller and more tart than Persian limes. There's also finger limes, sometimes called lime caviar. Sweet limes and mandarin limes, blood limes. Lime quats. It's a mix of kumquats and limes. It's great. If you guys have never seen finger limes um, or caviar limes, go look up a picture of these things. It's wild. Like they, they, the 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 juice sacs are kind of like a little bit more willy nilly inside the the rind of the fruit, and so when you cut into one, it looks like I don't know, like like you pull it away, and it looks like a uh, salmon roe nigiri. Oh, huh? How interesting nature. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, there is one variety of lime whose name you probably still see on store shelves in the West, but that you should endeavor to learn a different name for. And the name that I'm looking to avoid saying here is K-A-F-F-I-R. And I'm looking to avoid saying it because it's also a terrible racial slur used to demean black people in South Africa. The etymology of the name for the lime and the slur seem to be separate, but that doesn't mean it's okay to go tossing the word around because it's hate speech in certain parts of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, it is one of the top three commercially grown limes in the world, and its leaves and rind are important elements in many Southeast Asian cuisines. Um, calling them Thai limes or Makrut limes is preferred. And Americans, on average, eat three pounds of limes a year. Whew. I would imagine a lot of that goes into cocktails. Well, you know, I don't know. Since 1980, American lime consumption has increased by 10 times. And that's mostly as we've been exposed to more dishes from around the world that utilize lime more than we do slash did. Correct. Mm-hmm. Lime is used in all kinds of things. Drinks like the margarita or limeade. Desserts like key lime pie. It's used in tacos and chutneys. Lime pickles are integral in South Indian cuisine, in Vietnamese dishes like pho, in Thai food, dried lime in Persia and Iraqi food, part of the marinade for ceviche. The juice mixed with salt is sometimes called an old sour. Uh, And the twigs are used as chewing sticks in parts of Africa. The leaves can be used dried in soups and stews, like in curries. That's one of the flavor profiles in Thai curries for sure. Or fresh in uh, cooking, salads, or as garnish. Um, you can look for frozen makrut leaves at your local Asian grocery. Mm. Mm-hmm. Lime juice is an important ingredient in jam and salad dressing industries because of its citric acid. And it can be used in a variety of non-food ways, like lightening hair, which as an actress I've been advised to do, usually more with lemon. But, what? but yeah, uh-huh. sure, either way. 
and cleaning coffee pots. So kind of an old wives' tale I stumbled upon. Yeah, yeah. All kinds of cleaning products are made with uh, made with lime, lime juice and zest, oils, mm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went on such a big margarita kick a couple years ago. I bought like a specialized lime juicer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I use the heck out of it all the time. Limes, <laughs> limes, limes. They're harder to like juice than lemons. They I are. Find. They're a little bit. They tend to be a little bit stiffer. Yeah, especially these days as we we have perhaps lower quality limes coming into the United States. Mm. But um, but yeah, yeah. Do, do a good roll it on the table. Oh, thing before okay. before you juice it. That'll help um kind of squish all the bits inside. Pre squish. <laughs> yeah. Pre squish before the big squish. Yeah, you can also uh, microwave a lime for just like like under thirty seconds, like what? like ten to twenty seconds, I would say, just enough to kind of excite the molecule, just just to yeah, like loose again, loosen everything up, pre squish. Okay. My margarita game is about to get even better. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. Anytime. <laughs> All right, but this about brings us to our history portion. But mm-hmm. first, it brings us to a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. hmm yeah. Which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, another thing from their passion fruit, I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit, going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, citrus trees, as we sort of know them, have been around for about 8 million years, which we know because researchers found a fossilized citrus leaf that's about that old in what's now southwestern China. Wow. Yeah. Records of citrus cultivation in general go back some 4,000 years, but um, it's likely that the varieties that we know today took thousands of years of hybridization, um, both natural and human-produced. Right. The first wild limes probably originated in the Indonesian archipelago or perhaps on the Asian mainland. Records show that they were first commercially grown in Babylonia, modern-day Iraq. And these were what we today call papetas, um, a group of limey citrus species that includes the aforementioned makrut lime. The fruit of many papetas is too sour or bitter to really want to mess with, but they tend to be hardy, and their skin and leaves, again, can be an excellent ingredient in cooking. Arabian traders spread limes along with other citrus um, that they encountered in India to the eastern Mediterranean and Africa sometime around 1000 CE, and to Spain even earlier, as early as 400 CE. When the Crusaders returned to the Western Mediterranean in the 12th and 13th century, they brought with them limes. They were being cultivated in Italy and also probably France in the 1300s. Sometime amidst all of this uh, spread and cultivation, molecular geneticists today think that papetas were crossed with species of citrons, which is another one of the original primary types of citrus, to give rise to many of the species of limes that we know today. Um, the original primary types of citrus being, oh boy, uh, yes, uh, papetas, citron, mandarin, and pomelo. That's your trivia fact of the episode. It is. You're going to really impress somebody with that one. <laughs> Keep that one close to you, folks. <laughs> you would impress us for sure. Who am I kidding? I'd be like, oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm glad you included this because I got really confused in this episode researching this lime had so many different paths and because there's different types of limes. Like mm -hmm. the history of lime is like... A lot. It is. It is. And I think that we could probably do a full episode on any of the specific yeah. varieties of lime that exists today. I I love it when we just go like, yeah, sure, let's just do rice. Oh, I don't even <laughs> want to think about that episode ever again. Oh, that, that other way of measuring time before physics. That was great. Oh, right. Yeah. Heck. No, I, I would happily talk about rice again. But the, that was, yeah, that we were foolish to, to undertake that. <laughs> Well, <laughs> we came through on the other side. We did, as we hopefully shall do today. <laughs> I like it. We're on a roller coaster, and we're not sure <laughs> if we're going to ever make it to the end. Um, I think we can. Yeah. So Christopher Columbus. Oh, that uh, guy. That guy brought citrus seeds on his 1493 journey to the West Indies, probably including lime seeds. Not too long after, the trees could be found there, along with in Mexico and in Florida, and they were common in Haiti by 1520. 
As we've mentioned in a couple of our cocktail hour episodes, lime juice was frequently used in beverages by the British Navy to prevent scurvy. That's where the term limey comes from. This at first was a closely monitored military secret. Oh, yeah. And was the idea of Sir James Lind, although people have been doing it before them, they just weren't entirely sure about it. He, he even if he didn't have the science exactly right, he was pretty sure, like— He was like, yeah, no, this will work. Let's, this, let's yes. implement this as a plan. I think he did one of the first controlled random trials to oh, get wow. to the bottom of this. Huh. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, so Lind was a Scottish naval officer, and he realized that scurvy had killed more people than skirmishes. For example, of the almost 2,000 soldiers on a four-year circumnavigation of the globe ending in 1744, only 145 survived. Four had been killed by enemies, and scurvy killed the rest. Oh, my goodness. It's a huge deal. Um, That was—this is my rabbit hole of the episode. I researched so much about scurvy. (laughs) (sighs) And I had to rein myself in. Um, But you can see our gin and tonic episode for uh, the potentially anti-malarial properties of uh, quinine and tonic and the addition of lime and gin to make the medicine go down. That's one of my favorite uh, histories in a cocktail hour episode we've ever done. Yeah, that was a really good one. It Mm -hmm. was. The Surgeon General of the East India Company recommended lime juice as far back as 1614. By the 1850s, sailor's grog, which was a mixture of rum, water, and lime juice, was part of sailor's rations. And this ultimately helped the British defeat Napoleon. So, yeah, big deal. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Persian limes from Brazil arrived to Australia in 1824 and in California via Tahiti sometime between 1850 and 1880. Hence the term Tahitian lime. Exactly. Since the Persian lime was hardier than the key lime— with its thinner skin, um, and that made that key lime less suitable for transport. Cultivators in Florida switched out most key limes to Persian limes. Small-scale commercial cultivation of limes in Orange and Lake Counties in Florida began in 1883. And after a 1906 hurricane and depletion of the soil due to pineapples, farmers in the Florida Keys replaced their crop with limes. They would then be pickled in salt water and sent to Boston and sold as a snack. Kids in particular liked them, and they were even mentioned in Little Women, (laughs) which I love. A hurricane in 1926 wiped out this small industry, though. Mm -hmm. I say mm -hmm, like like affirmatively as though it's a fun fact. It's not really. I mean, that's just a fact. It is, but uh, but a a lot of hurricanes, due to the tropical and subtropical climate of limes, a lot of hurricanes have impacted a lot of lime industries around the world over over time. Yeah, and it, it's, I would say, one of the main reasons that the U.S. gets uh, most of our limes from Mexico, and we'll go into that a little bit more detail in a minute. Yeah, absolutely. The early 1900s is when the Key Lime took off in Key West, which at the time was the southernmost American city. I love this. Okay, so milk tanks didn't—they couldn't make their way down there. Okay. <laughs> so before the opening of the Overseas Highway in 1930, hence milk tanks could now get down there, mm-hmm. chefs used canned condensed milk soured with lime. Oh, wow. However, huh. after that 1926 hurricane wiped out most of the crop of key limes, they were replaced with Persian limes, meaning most key lime we see on menus instead refers to Persian limes. Uh-huh. Most of the time— not all the time. Occasionally, there is real key lime involved. But generally speaking, probably not. <laughs> From what I read, though, it might be less uncommon now to actually have real key real lime. Real key lime, mm-hmm. yeah. I know that I've seen them in grocery stores more often. Yeah. 
And there's there's a couple places in uh, Key West, Florida, where it's just known that that's real key lime you're mm-hmm. getting. Raymond Sokolov wrote about his search for key limes in 1981, quote, The poorest Caribbean can find real limes in his local marketplace, but in America we can only buy Tahiti limes in our glistening supermarkets. Even, or perhaps especially in the Keys, the conspiracy to hire this botanical masquerade has succeeded almost completely in perpetuating the myth of a regional dish. Oh, heck. I know. Whew. There seem to be two agreed-upon rules for a good key lime pie in Key West. One, no green food coloring. And two, no gelatin. I would agree. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Have you ever made a key lime pie? No, that's squeezing a lot of tiny, tiny <laughs> yeah, limes. I've heard it's very intensive. It's a little, it's a little tedious, yeah. Um, I do have a friend who doesn't cook essentially at all, but he does make a key lime pie, and it's terrific. Matt, if you're listening, shout out to your key lime pie. It is always excellent. I love those friends that have the one thing they'll make. Yeah. And I especially love it when it's something complicated. Like weird and complex. (laughs) And I'm like, all right. How did this happen? So great. It's delicious, though. Mm. Well, this did get me. I don't normally crave key lime pie, but during this episode, I've been like. I do all the time. Citrus desserts are some of my favorites. Mm, Yes. I have a list of uh, anytime someone tells me their favorite dessert, I write it down. And on your on my list is. uh, I was a citrus lover. Yes. Just in case I ever want to make somebody a dessert, I like to be able to consult the list and know what their favorite things are. Anyway, that's just something about me. Um, after World War I, the Persian lime had solidified its place as a commercial product in the United States, despite initial consumer resistance at the so-called green lemon. Canadians resisted at first, too, preferring the more flavorful key lime. George D. Fleming Jr., proprietor of Key Lime Associates, was looking to make what he called a vacation cottage colony of limes in 1953. The next year, as the Florida Keys were developing, the Upper Florida Keys Chamber of Commerce was founded, in part to spread the word about this lime that they were afraid might die out otherwise. Huh. In 1959, with the help of the Upper Keys Kiwanis Club, they launched an educational campaign encouraging residents to plant the lime and have lime nurseries and then to go on to sell the tree, which I kind of adore. Since 1960, the Caribbean island of Dominica has made a business out of selling the juice from Mexican limes, most of which goes to the U.K. for settling in wooden vats, followed by a clarifying process. It's bottled as Rose's Lime Juice in England, a product of L. Rose & Co. LTD. Any surplus is sold to soft drink producers. Nowadays, L. Rose & Co. LTD gets most of their lime juice from Ghana. I have never heard of this product, but it sounds like it's very popular. Oh, it's it's pretty – I'm nearly positive you've seen a bottle of it. Um, it's frequently sold, I think, next to a bottle of, of grenadine. Like, there's one that's quite green and one that's quite red. And um, and the – am I thinking of the right thing? And the, and the wrapper is kind of like red and white and sort of floral and like old-timey. Huh. Yeah. I just keep picturing a, a like a Perrier bottle, but it has Rosie the Riveter on front. And I'm not <laughs> sure why that's what I picture. But. That's – Definitely not. That's definitely not. <laughs> Does that even exist? If not, it should. It's just because the name is Rose. I'm a very simple person in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, um, it's shelf-stable, and I, I wouldn't say that it necessarily tastes like lime juice, but it, it has a lime flavor to it for sure. It's a lime flavor to mm-hmm. it. It tends to be sweetened. 
Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. And since it's, you know, pasteurized and still shelf-stable, it's uh, not not as punchy. Oh, okay. That reminds me of another old wives' tale, that drinking Sprite on a, if you had an upset stomach, would like. Would like magically. Chill, chill your stomach yeah. out. Um, I know my mom used to give me ginger ale. Ginger, ginger does have a little bit of a stomach property, but I don't think that ginger ale particularly Mm. Helps. I liked it. I was a fan. <laughs> yeah, I was I like, I'm getting to good. drink ginger ale. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, stepping back a bit to 1954, Libby McNeil and Libby switched over a hundred acres of previously dedicated to grapefruit of land previously dedicated to grapefruit over to Persian and Tahitian limes. That was in Florida. Yeah. Yes. Production increased 60% in the 70s, and the industry was valued at nine million dollars in 1979. And Florida was the big dog in terms of lime production in the United States. To this day, Florida produces about 90% of America's lime crop. As more immigrants from Latin America came to the U.S. and brought with them more dishes that utilized lime, the citrus grew in popularity and demand went up. Then, in 1992, Florida's lime production took a massive blow with Hurricane Andrew. Uh, I was living... At that time in South Florida, and Andrew was supposed to hit my town of Coral Springs, but it veered and hit much closer to Homestead, um, the seat of the South Florida lime industry. Yes. And while this industry did mostly recover by 1999, in the meantime, Mexico had filled that lime void. A disease decimated Florida limes in 2000, so that's like only a year later. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Seven years later, the industry was once again virtually non-existent thanks to this disease. Not wanting to plant new citrus trees only for them to get reinfected, they pivoted to other crops like avocado. As of 2014, there were just 400 acres of limes being grown in Florida. Time magazine compared that with 41,000 acres of lemons out in California. If you've noticed the price of limes going up, that is part of why. Another part, um, a couple of years ago, bad weather, crime, and disease plagued the lime crop in Mexico, where the U.S. gets most of our limes, most of being a whopping 97%, and that drove up the price of limes. For example, a 40-pound box of limes went up from $20 to $120. Yeah, and and that organized criminal activity part is is a really huge factor in that. Um, As of about 2011, the crime cartel Los Caballeros Templarillos, uh, in English that would be the the Knights Templar, they they were facing increasing difficulties in the drug trade, so they began extorting lime farmers and exporters in Mexico um, really violently. Um, It's it's a bloody and and ongoing story, though the— The violence and industry impact perhaps peaked around 2014. The cartel has since switched its sights to avocados um, more recently. And that is a whole other story that um, is terrifying that I would love to go into someday. It's it's very fascinating. Yeah. And I – when we were deciding on this episode, I I have to say one of the first things I think about when I think about limes and avocado is this. Like I couldn't – I didn't remember the details, but I knew at one time Mm -hmm. like the price of limes had gone way up and there was this fear of like, what are we going to do about limes? And it was because of the things we said, but I remembered the crime in Mexico. So, yeah, should. Yeah, I would love to have a whole depressing episode on that sometime. I'm sure we shall. 
Uh, avocado's been on our list for a long time to cover. It has been, yeah. Um, I, I would organized crime around avocados globally is really a thing. Yeah. Yep. Well. Well. <laughs> on that note, um, that about rounds up our lime episode. It does. Um, we do have a little bit more for you. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, another thing from their passion fruit I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. 
And we're back with Listener Mail. I, you know, sometimes I just randomly wear shirts that are like, kind of freaks me out. Um, yeah? And today I wore a, a shirt that's Sprite-based. Oh. And I never wear this shirt. And then we did this episode, and it's got, like, a, a lime on the back. Yeah. It was just in something in the just back of my brain. tiny little grain in the back of your, yeah. Anyway, that listener mail was inspired by the, the like— Effervescence? Yeah. Aw, okay. I'm at Sprite. Well, I gave up soft drinks in, what, 2007? So a minute ago. 2005, I gave them up. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. it's been a long time. Oh, my goodness. On a dare, because I am— Easily manipulated. <laughs> Aside from Rockstar. <laughs> that's not a soft drink. Right. It's only, and I will allow it if it's mixed with alcohol. Okay. Which today as we record this is National Gin and Tonic Day. Oh, it is? I think so. Well, I got a- an email about it. <laughs> they knew. They were like, you know who needs to hear about this? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so Katie wrote... Just FYI, in the pretzel episode, when you said Pennsylvania consumed the most pretzels, I thought you said pretzelvania, and do not tell me you didn't. <laughs> we should have. That's a missed opportunity. Oh, pretzelvania. Yes. I, I mean, I think they should rename the state. I That is absolutely a t-shirt. I have an email about t-shirts to write to our t-shirt humans this very afternoon, and I am pretzelvania. Pretzelvania. This is happening, y'all. Is it going to have some kind of vampire theme? we got to think about Ooh. it. Vampire pretzels. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. <laughs> well, they could be little, like, like, like the, the little bats. bats with, oh, okay. my goodness. Anyway. Uh, we both just went to a really strange but similar place. Any Okay. All right. Um, Ron wrote, I just finished listening to your New Orleans series, and I really enjoyed it. I'm heading there in June for a large family reunion and love knowing what I'm getting into. My mom grew up there in a family of 10 kids, so a reunion should have well over 100. Ooh. Oh, goodness. I've got such a small family. Okay. Uh, I've only been there three times in my life as I've lived in California. The last time 20 years ago and the first time I was there for Mardi Gras. My aunt took me to some of the parades, and I would have never guessed I would have the time of my life being out in the cold catching worthless trinkets. And yes, some of my young cousins had the box on the ladder to watch the parade. This time I'll be going out for some nice meals. My cousin works for the Brennan family, so it should be more fun than I'm used to lately. At the reunion, we'll be eating po'boys, crawfish boils, and gumbo. I've included my Aunt Ruth's gumbo recipe. We love recipes. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Oh, goodness. (laughs) I, um... I love this, and I, I love the, the catching of worthless trinkets because yes. as somebody who's really, really competitive, and I didn't like candy. Like I, the beads at parades for oh your my whole gosh. jam? I would fight. <laughs> like, I would fight for candy that I knew I was just going to give away later. But I, the thrill of catching yeah. it Ooh. and, like, having more than everyone else. Yeah. Huh. <sighs> Heart. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. You're like, yeah. (laughs) I was afraid I can go to and not get in trouble for taking (laughs) stuff away from kids. (laughs) In general, in uh, in Atlanta, I think you're not allowed to to toss things off of. Yeah, they kind of hand. They have to hand it to you. Yeah, Yeah, as I found out one day when I rather tipsily joined. the Halloween parade in Little Five Points. I was there. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, but I quickly was set right. Um, 
I think only only one small child was vaguely emotionally upset by the experience. I still feel bad about it. I genuinely am upset that I might have upset that little girl. You created an enemy that day. <laughs> She's plotting your demise. I'm sorry, tiny princess fairy. <laughs> yes, she's real remorse. I can see it. Don't build whatever super collider thing you're doing to destroy her. <laughs> I would greatly prefer it. <laughs> I'll come hand you candy gently anytime you want. We do have a lot of free candy here at the office. So. We do. It's and it's true. the good stuff. It is. Sometimes it's the full-size bars, and yes. I feel like real baller. I know. I, I look around as if this can't be true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thanks to both of them for writing. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at saverpod. We do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Andrew Howard and Dylan Fagan. Thank you to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 you know what i'm saying like it could have been like easier and a lot of people have asked me like how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline hey hey it's malcolm gladwell host of revisionist history ebay motors is here for the ride your elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.